those stargazers. Welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take an aspect, a planet, or a topic, and I investigate it under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Relationship or Love Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I want to thank you for joining me on my podcast today. So when I was at the drawing board this week in thinking of topics to cover, I noticed that I had accidentally left the idea of exploring aspects behind a little bit. It's It's been a little while since we last explored the last aspect, which was the uh, that of squares. So for this week, I decided to cover a nice aspect, so something that's in contrast to the squares episode. And if you guys have not listened to the squares episode, I encourage you to do so. But before I get into this particular aspect, I did want to lead in with a question. Now, again, this is something to reflect upon and to kind of draw and tie everything in this episode together. There are no right or wrong answers, just kind of a way to help everyone to kind of think or to kind of get into the frame mind of this particular aspect. And I think it helps to clarify it a little bit as well. So when it comes to the question, one thing that I'd like to ask is, I ask you to just kind of think about a particular time where everything seemed to be going rather well for you. And within that time, Think about not only what were the benefits of everything going well for you. So what kind of, what was beneficial to you? What made this time work very well for you? But also I challenge you to think of the drawbacks. I say I challenge you because I know, you know, my thoughts, at least when I experience a great time is, well, Duh, there weren't drawbacks, hence why there, it was such a great time. But sometimes we don't always recognize in the moment in which we're having a wonderful time that there were some drawbacks. So like maybe you didn't pursue a goal as thoroughly as you do now, or maybe you didn't pursue a relationship that you wanted to pursue or something, maybe something was left behind in that period of time. The reason why I ask this is that we are covering trines for this week. And whether you guys are really proficient in astrology or you are a newcomer to astrology, trines are like the the most golden out of all the aspects. They are where, well, many astrologers say it's where it's the most harmonious in the chart as well, too. It's a obviously the softer aspect of the chart. And really, when it comes down to the planets, it's really the relationship where all the planets are instant BFFs when it comes to their relationships. So unlike squares, where when uh, planets find themselves in a 90 degree angle, exactly, where they find that they get on each other's nerves and they start forming kind of a battleship sort of formation in the chart. With trines, I like to think of the planets as they start to form allies with each other when it comes to their angles in the chart. And they're not only instant allies, but they're instant BFFs. They're always getting along. Nothing, Nothing can rub each planet the wrong way. 
And so um, unlike where with squares, where the planets usually expose their shadow sides of their archetypes, with trines, the planets actually show their softer sides or their beneficial, beneficial sides within the chart. So when it comes down to trines, it's basically when the planets are exactly 150 degrees apart. Now, before you break out those protractors and before you break out the calculator, I'm going to give, kind of like with the squares episode, I'm going to give you something that's actually been really easy for me to figure out how to, how to spot a trine and, you know, you know, kind of like what is a trine as opposed to what isn't. So the easiest way that I spot a trine is either that the planets are either five houses apart. So when you count the houses, they're five houses apart from each other. The other thing that I've noticed when it comes down to trines is that two or more planets can actually form in two separate signs that actually share the same element to each other. So when we go through the zodiacal wheel, we may or may not know that each sign is actually ruled by one of the four basic elements. So for example, um, Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius are ruled by fire. Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn are ruled by earth. Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius are ruled by air. And Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces are ruled by water. So when we take a look at the planetary relationships to each other, say that we have somebody who has their sun in Sagittarius, but then their Jupiter position is also in Aries. The sun and the Jupiter placements are basically trying each other because both Sagittarius and Aries are ruled by fire. And with that said, the planets will also take a little bit more of a fiery element in that person's personality and in that person's chart. So whereas Jupiter and the sun, Jupiter trying the sun usually indicates somebody who's very expansively oriented, expansively thinking, or just likes to see the bigger picture, this person may also be inspired and have that spark that's usually found within the fire signs to pursue that bigger picture, to pursue their inspiration, so to speak, when it comes to to the large expansive picture. Say that we also have another chart where somebody has their Mercury placement in Scorpio and their Neptune placement within Pisces. Again, that would be another example of a trine because Scorpio and Pisces are both in the water element. Being within the water element, they would take on the aspects of intuition and emotion as well. So again, um, that would fit right in with Scorpio or Mercury and Scorpio and then Neptune and Pisces. Already this person would probably be prone to daydreaming and probably prone to really thinking very much outside the box, almost to the point where they're blurring boundaries and blurring the lines between different situations in life. And with that water element, uh, that person would be more inclined to thinking with the intuition, thinking with emotions on their side, as opposed to just pure logic as well, too. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, okay, Sandra, you mentioned three signs, though, and you said that the planets could occur within the three signs of each element. So what about that? And I'm glad that you asked because in certain charts, whether it is synastry related or whether it's just in the natal chart, there is such a thing as uh, the grand trine. And that's basically where, as you guessed it, there are planets in all three of the signs that are within the same element. So in this case, if somebody should have their sun in Sagittarius, their Jupiter placement within Aries, but also say they have Mercury in Leo, that would be an example of a grand trine um, in that particular placement. Now with grand trines, I mean, I personally have approached grand trines with a little bit of envy because a lot of people who have grand trines, I usually 100% find it within charts of those who are entrepreneurs, CEOs, or really, really successful actors. I mean, just really very successful people. And, you know, the explanation that I had really received when I was first learning charts was that someone has a grand trine, they have like the luckiest aspects of all when it comes to that grand trine. It's like, it just, things just seem to fall into place for that person. However, all astrologers that I first encountered when I first learned charts had also mentioned that, you know, the grand trine could be a real big drawback because that person could be so accustomed to getting things so easily that they become lazy in life or they be, they kind of take advantage of everything. Now, particularly, this was from my first astrology teacher or my astrology teacher, as well as Joanna Martin Woolfolk. And I just remember thinking, oh, you know what? That's BS. I mean, I'm sorry. Good luck is good luck. Good fortune is good fortune. And I'm going to be honest with you, Stargazers. Within this week, I kind of had a hard time at looking at the downsides of trines, knowing that they're the most harmonious aspect and particularly of the grand trine, knowing that that's like it's very rare And like I said, the most wonderful, successful people have that relationship within their planets. However, upon closer look with both my chart and kind of understanding my own trines, and also when taking a look at Heather Ariel and her explanation of trines, so within her Fundamentals of Astrology Oracle deck, her card for trines reads... A gift is yours for the taking, just don't forget to open it. And further, she explains that she'd learned from an astrologer that basically trines are kind of like a gift, you know, whether we experience these planetary alignments in a transit or in your chart. I think really what she alludes to is like we tend to forget that the gift is there because everything else is kind of harmonious. The way that I've experienced my own trines, though, is that because we're so accustomed as human beings to look at issues and problems and to see how to conquer those issues or those problems as well, too, we also tend to look at problems as being uh, markers that help us to grow. We don't really recognize what works within us. And I think when we recognize what works within us, that's usually a last resort that we tend to go to. 
And being that last resort, I feel like the gift that is forgotten is a better analogy than people get lazy, especially for those with a grand trine. I feel like we, our trines tend to blend into the background, that we don't really tend to recognize our strengths until we need them the most as well. A great example comes with Drew Barrymore's chart, where actually she is one individual who has a grand trine. It's very similar to that of Marilyn Monroe's chart in the regard that all of her trines are within the water element. So Drew Barrymore, her son is within the sign of Pisces. So is her Venus and Jupiter placement. They're all in the sign of Pisces. When that comes down to the trine, it is trined her moon in Cancer, and her moon is actually in conjunction with Saturn in that arena. And as if that's not enough, her moon and Saturn are also trined, and then also her sun and Venus and Jupiter placements are also trined her Uranus placement, and that's within Scorpio. So like as I've mentioned here, we have that grand trine. So given the nature of the sun and the moon being trined each other, I usually see kind of a great yin-yang sort of effect. What I see within the, an individual who has this sort of, you know, an aspect is that this person is well balanced both within their outer shell and their outer self, as well as within their inner self as well too. And I feel like with Drew Barrymore, I don't think she really would have recognized this until she had actually gone through a couple of challenging life circumstances. So I think that's the other thing I forgot to uh, mention when it came to Grand Trines. Sometimes with a Grand Trine, um, even though many successful people have these elements or aspects, the element that's usually predominant in that trine brings about some a, a degree of pain. Like somebody has to go through a, an element of pain before they go through success. With Drew Barrymore, as also with Marilyn Monroe, when it comes to the water element, that pain really pertains to the emotions. Sometimes it could be the psycho-emotional realm, sometimes just the emotions. Uh, that, that person has to go through a lot of heartbreak before they kind of recognize the potentials that are in their chart. In this case with Drew Barrymore, at a very, very young age, she not only had to, to, to quote unquote, divorce her mom, and many um, celebrity experts have mentioned the divorce, divorcing her mom, knowing that she had actually made a movie of the same title where the main character was literally doing just that. But I mean, along with, you know, kind of losing or having her mom lose custody of her, she also had to check into a rehab facility and I think also a psychiatric ward at a very young age as well, due to the fact that her mom was exposing her to a lot of illegal substances or a lot of, you know, just a lot of substances that were affecting her growth and her development at that age. And within this time or within this troubled time, it was probably hard for her to see the grand trine that was playing out, except that she was very successful as a child actor. And even then she might've felt like, 
And that might have carried its own curse at times as well, too. But with the sun and the moon being trined each other, one thing that I would see that she would naturally have or something that would be her own secret superpower would be that she would be very much emotionally present and especially with uh, with Saturn being in the mix here, just very emotionally present to her own needs and also therefore being very attentive to her own needs as well and very mindful of that. Whereas many people who experience that sort of situation might not be attentive to their own needs. I, th- I feel like she might have had a really very in-depth knowledge of her own heart and what really works for her at such a young age as opposed to what doesn't as well too. As if that wasn't enough with Jupiter and Venus also being trined her moon's position. She would also have a very, I mean, it kind of goes without saying with Drew Barrymore, she has a very big heart and we can see that with her personality, even within interviews. But I really feel like this trine really emphasizes that she's very loving inside and also very expansive in her emotional realm. When it comes to the emotional realm, when it comes to her heart, it's a very wide sea that's in there. And the thing that I also see in her chart is that she's not afraid to really uncover and explore the vast expanse of her heart and her emotions, no matter how icky or how enlightening those emotions could be. With her sun trined Uranus and also with her moon trined Uranus, her moon and Saturn position, as well as her Jupiter and Venus positions being trined Uranus, I see somebody who is also a very open thinker or somebody who thinks outside the box um, and also was indicated by Astrology King that somebody whose sun especially is trined Uranus. This is someone who also likes people who are a little bit off the beaten path, people who are a little bit more bohemian to society as opposed to straight-laced traditional people. And the same is true with the moon placement being trined Uranus. Um, Ideally, emotionally-wise, she might also follow ideals that might be off the beaten path but they just, they reverberate really well for her. And also people who are off the beaten path really vibe well with her emotionally as well too. But what I see with Drew Barrymore is that with thinking outside the box, it's not just thinking outside the box for thinking's sake. What I see with the sun's position especially and also with Jupiter's position is that she's willing to act outside the box as well. And with acting outside the box, I feel like a great example was um, what she had stated within Inside the Actor's Studio with her interview with the late and the great James Lipton. She had mentioned that instead of, well, when she had recovered from rehab, got out of rehab, I think when she had also had gotten out of the psychiatric ward and kind of smoothed over everything, And when she was ready to reemerge in her 20s back into her career, she didn't just emerge with, hey, I was a child star. I have all this background. I have all this knowledge and let me into your film. I'd be happy to play this role and happy to play this character. 
which you would normally typically expect with child actors. No, her idea was she was actually going to go back to going to the cattle calls. The reason for why, and the reason is I find really just very awesome with Drew Barrymore. The reason for why was she did not want to rely on the child star status. You know, she developed certain skills as a child star, um, especially with E.T. She developed certain acting skills at that time, but she wanted to really depart from that. And in order to really depart, she had to show a lot of actor or not a lot of actors, but a lot of directors and producers that she really did have a lot of acting chops. And so in order to do that, she had to go through the grueling auditioning process that can be rather soulless at times for actors and can be rather hard and difficult to accomplish. But she felt like it was very much needed to not only gain the real world experience for real actors, but also, like I said, again, to broaden her chops. And I feel like it's not a coincidence that she's actually, she emerged very successfully. And when it came to some of her later roles, she actually had a lot of, I mean, she really had a lot of great acting chops and really a lot of great skills emerged from there. She really definitely departed from being the child star, which I know is very tricky and very difficult, but I felt like she really successfully emerged from there. And I just feel like um, with that said, I mean, her Uranus position with her son and also with Jupiter, you know, kind of being in that trine, that grand trine, those planets in the grand trine, even including her moon, really helped her to draw out what was needed to expand her acting chops. I think even including her vast emotional realm that she had to dive into, even though it was very hard and very, you know, like, like I said, whether it's icky, whether it's enlightening, you know, as much as she had to dive into that. Um, I think she also learned how to dive into that for acting roles in order to make a character really stand out very realistically as well too. But I really feel like when it comes to Drew Barrymore, she didn't really realize her grand trine in her chart until times really called for her to utilize that grand trine in her chart as well. So my overall arching point here, Stargazers, is that if you feel like you do have a trine and you don't really feel like you're feeling the planets and the archetypes that are in that chart or that are in your chart and that are in that trine, don't despair too much because again, um, trines usually reveal our secret um, hidden superpowers. And they do come they do come out eventually. Um, I always just say reflect upon whenever you were in a crisis or whenever you were stressed and the things that kind of came naturally to you. That's usually a good key as to how those trines in your chart really came into effect. So now I know what you're thinking. You're like, okay, Sandra, this is, this is all nice and well, but what about the synastry chart? And what about, you know, relationships? So stargazers, I do have to say that many synastry astrologers didn't offer a ton when it came down to trines, which I thought was kind of ironic. 
being for the most harmonious aspect in the chart, I thought there'd be loads of information, loads of insights from different astrologers. But the most I got from them would be that, you know, while the trine would indicate a relationship high, that too much of a trine indicates relationship boredom as well. And that could be, that really can be true um, if both you and your partner have too many trines occurring between too many planets. Again, because trines kind of blend into the background, they're basically our secret superpowers. We might find that, yes, there's certain elements that we can't really put our finger on that really work within the relationship, but instead of really igniting that relationship, it could feel kind of old hat after a while. However, I kind of felt like there was more to uncover when it came to trines. So the process that I came to throughout the week was I not only investigated my own trines to see my own secret superpowers in my own chart and how they kind of, they have kind of blended into the background, but also I've, I've tended, I actually uh, looked at past relationships that I had where there were trines and kind of, it actually, it was interesting because it actually kind of explained a lot in that relationship. Whereas I couldn't really put my finger on what was working when I saw that trine, I was like, oh, okay, that's why. But uh, I looked at, you know, past relationships in order to glean some insights, as well as I looked at a couple of other relationships outside of me, um, particularly that of Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin. But before I get into their chart, my overall insights were that trines are usually, again, those harmonious aspect aspects between partners, but very much like the, you know, an individual's natal chart. They aren't really, dis- the harmonious aspects and what really works, again, aren't really discerned by the naked eye, being that of our inner superpowers. And, you know, it takes some time to kind of see them a little bit. An example came up when I was investigating a previous relationship that I had way back when I was 12 years old. This guy was actually more of a friend as opposed to an actual lover. But either way, there were some dynamics that really, again, I couldn't put my finger on. One thing was the attra- my attraction to him. I can't really say the same for him. But when I looked at our charts, I do remember that my Mars placement was trined his Mars placement, as well as his conjunction with his son and Venus, all being within Pisces, by the way. So um, this guy was kind of a Casanova. Um, I'm just going to mention that right off the top. You could definitely see the Venus placement in conjunction with his son's placement. But really between those Mars connections there, there were definitely some sparks that, and there was definitely some chemistry knowing that again, Mars is just very open, just an open current of energy there. The other thing that struck me was that I remembered this guy always helped me to feel at ease. He just had that way about him and again, couldn't put my finger on it. However, that was really well explained with Mercury trined my grand stellium, which is my moon, Pluto, and Saturn. 
Now, if you really don't think that that stellium, it kind of carries a whammy with it, I would say think again, because there were a lot of points, especially in my early young adulthood life, where that Pluto conjunct moon phase, I could really feel. And there was a lot of disruption inside. But one particular time was when, uh, you know, so I, I attended a performing arts school, and I mainly was accepted because I played the trombone. And there was a time where I underwent something that brass players kind of go through often, which is analysis under paralysis. It's basically where you go through a lot of pressure and also to um, your anatomy changes as you're at a certain age, particularly your throat muscles change. And I just remembered I felt like I was gulping down notes as I was playing them because my throat muscles wouldn't relax. And this was, it was very strange. It came right out of the blue. I had no idea what was happening. And it just felt like my whole being a protege at, you know, with the trombone was just going down the toilet and it went down the toilet like overnight. And, uh, I, you know, as much as I was so frustrated and so disappointed in my whole entire life that year. And really I was, I, I was like really down and in the dumps about it. Um, this particular individual actually came up to me and mentioned how he had something very similar and really related with me and also gave me a lot of very practical advice that I actually did take with me and actually really helped me out later on as I progressed throughout high school. And the good news was I was able to play again. Um, the bad news was it was kind of towards senior year of high school. And by that time, I was about ready to move on to other artistic ventures as well, too. But the Mercury placement being trined my grand stellium is what I like to call it, really explained a lot because this guy just had a way to just break the ice and to really add logical, hard, cold, factual sort of ideas and just had a way of relating to people in a very factual, friendly way. That's really typical of Aquarius as well and really would be typical of Mercury in Aquarius. But again, like I said, it made sense, but it was something at the time where it's like, you know, I can't put a finger on it, but you always make me feel better. Or, you know, I can't put a finger on it, but I'm always attracted to you and I just don't know why. And that's usually how trines tend to show up. As you progress in the relationship, you start to develop those reasons as to why. And also, of course, taking a peek at your sinistry chart is always very optimal. Speaking of which, if you ever wanted, if you are having trouble with your composite chart and also the composite chart of both you and your significant other, I can actually help with that. And that would be with my Patreon page. So when you do sign up as a member for as little as $5 a month, I will not only send you your composite chart, but also a booklet explaining it as well, too. Now, stargazers, I have had similar readings like this in metaphysical shops, and I'm telling you, a reading like this would actually cost at least like $125 to start. 
this is really what I like to find to be a benefit with my Patreon page. You get it absolutely free if you become a member. The only the only fee that you're paying is becoming a member. And there's another perk to becoming a member. You're supporting yours truly and you're supporting this podcast. So either way, it's always a win-win. And definitely check out patreon.com forward slash seventh house astrology. Now, when it comes to trines in the composite chart, and when it comes to trines, when it comes to synastry, the other thing that I found, especially when looking at Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin's chart, was that it also reveals the really romantic places in the chart. Whenever I read these aspects in the chart, it actually literally makes my heart melt. And Knowing that this is a an, a podcast about sinistry astrology and about relationships, I always like to share them. So with Lisa Renan with Harry Hamlin, to begin with, um, I have to preface this. With Harry Hamlin, he has both his sun and his moon, as well as his Mercury placement in Scorpio. Now, what that usually indicates is that Scorpios are very, somebody who has a sun and a moon in Scorpio is usually very, very guarded and very, very reserved. And I think with Harry Hamlin, what might have happened was that when it came to his Mercury placement, you know, he mentioned something that he felt was truthful in childhood. He mentioned something that might have been, that might really have been very insightful in childhood. And perhaps it was, or not even in childhood, maybe even in early adulthood, and then for some reason, life or even just different people or different experiences may have just let him down when it came to that, or may have just let him down with, hey, you shouldn't be mentioning these things, or hey, how dare you, you're a terrible person. And these sort of experiences, instead of feeling shame for them, he may have felt really that, for, you know, first of all, the truths that were very apparent for him were really something that people did not want to see. So he kind of held that against other people. But I also just feel like he may have developed a very hard outer shell to guard his emotions and to not feel as vulnerable as he once did. The thing that is so beautiful about this position is that his sun and moon's position is actually trying to Lisa Rinna's Sun, Mercury, and Venus positions, which are in Cancer. And with Lisa Rinna, I mean, she's very vocal uh, with her Mercury, Mercury placement being so close to her Sun. So whatever's on her mind, she's not hesitant to speak out. She's also not hesitant to being thoughtful. And especially with Mercury being in Cancer, being thoughtful as in how it's not just speaking for speaking's sake, or it's not just having diarrhea of the mouth. It's really making sure that her words really help somebody at the end of the day and really help to build somebody up at the end of the day with that nurturing Cancerian aspect. The same with Venus. Um, her relationships are really that of where she's very supportive. She can also seem as very maternal and just very much present and being there for others. The same with her sun sign as well, too. So what I see with this trine is that with both persons, 
Whereas Lisa Rinna is very vulnerable and very open and very nurturing and caring, that was enough to kind of melt the reserve of Harry Hamlin's Scorpio sun and moon placement to where he felt he could open up a little bit and that he had someone who he can trust and open up a little more and maybe share his insights with the world or just share his insights too. You know, he had a, he had a partner in crime or he had just even a partner to share his insights too. And he probably still feels that way to this day as well, that he can really trust Lisa and that Lisa really, um, is very open to that trust and is very accepting of that trust and is kind of like an open vessel for it. And for me, I personally just find, again, melting steely reserve to be very romantic. I also just find, you know, somebody being just very much there for someone who may or may not have had support throughout his or her life as also being very romantic and very lovely and insightful when it comes to looking at the composite chart. The other things that I found when looking at different composite charts is that trines can also really deepen the places in relationships where each other's actions really mean more than words can bear. And it's also places, you know, trines usually indicate places where the partner just knows how to make their partner satisfied and happy. And it doesn't take a ton of research or doesn't take a, a ton of investigating on their part. It just seems to come very naturally uh, to the relationship. If it comes very naturally to the individual and just really naturally to the relationship as well, too, which I thought was really very interesting. And again, went a little bit deeper than, gee, trines can make a relationship boring, which, you know, again, I, I just wanted to wanted to dive in a little bit deeper there. Of course, with trines, it also smooths over rough patches, potential rough patches in the relationship. And then both persons know that how to go in smooth those rough play, those rough patches. So they just know, you know, naturally how to smooth those rough patches as well, too. So stargazers, I really hope that my insights into trines and synastry was very helpful to you. Um, if you'd like, please feel free to comment at either misek, M-I-S-E-K, dot Sandra, S-A-N-D-R-A, at gmail.com, or feel free to comment on my Instagram uh, feed, which is at Sandra, again, that's S-A-N-D-R-A, dot Misek, M-I-S-E-K, and um, definitely just comment if this if this really helped you. If it really didn't, um, again, I could really I could really use that feedback um, for future episodes, especially as we're coming into another couple of aspects uh, when it comes down to investigating the chart a little bit further. But overall, what we have learned. So I feel like the biggest things that really stood out um, in this week's episode is that as humans, we're conditioned to see the squares and oppositions in the chart, and we miss the good in relationships, the good aspects in our charts. So our sextiles and our trines. So um, to kind of translate that, we like to see the squares and the opposition. So the bad things that are happening or the negative things that are happening in relationships, as opposed to the positive things. 
And sometimes it, it's a sign. I, I think it really be a good sign of growth to really recognize those trines in relationships and really see how they help the relationship to weather the storms that come at you. Also, along with the squares and the oppositions, I really feel that trines can be very helpful in igniting the relationship in seeing like just what works, um, really seeing what made you fall in love with your partner in the first place as well, and why you fell in love with your partner. Sometimes, you know, kind of remembering those things and reigniting those traits can really spice up the romantic relationship as well. Sometimes we don't always need the bad in order to spice up a relationship. Again, with trines, um, the other thing that uh, was a big learning experience was that the relationship superpowers are contained in the trines, which, like I said, I never really thought of because when at first I had discovered trines, I really couldn't place like how they acted particularly within my own chart. And again, to see it as like secret superpowers that come out when you're at a time of need, are, that's really very revealing. And I think Heather Ariel also described it well with the, the gift that is there for you. It's just a matter of opening the gift and seeing what's inside. And of course, that gift is determining the archetypes of the planets that are trined and what they mean for the relationship, and also what they mean for yourself as well, too, because sometimes in relationships, we also weather storms, and it's good to know those superpowers for ourselves as well. And then, of course, too much of a good thing can lead to boredom. Sometimes we need those squares and oppositions to spice things up a little bit. I know that I mentioned it's like it's good to, to find the positives in the relationship, which I still stand by. But, you know, sometimes we might need those obstacles. We might need those little things from our partner that grate on our nerves to really help us understand not only our secret superpowers as a relationship, but also to prevent everything just being so perfect that it's it's a boring, bland relationship. So Stargazers, this is my podcast for this week. Again, I hope that it was very insightful for you on this on this podcast on trines, our episode on trines. Do not be afraid to look up at the stars. I had forgotten to give you an update. You might see Mercury standing in place if Mercury is indeed visible in the sky. The reason being is that Mercury goes dun 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 retrograde. He actually goes retrograde as of Tuesday of this week, which I, and especially outside of Gemini, I don't know about you stargazers, but I'm not looking forward to that at all. Oh, that usually affects my, my relationship house, my 11th house right there. So relationships get a little dicey. Plus I tend to notice that people tend to get very mouthy and very verbal for really no apparent reason whatsoever. But the biggest thing that tipped me off this last week was my relationship with technology, which has been a little, let's just say technology has been flubbing up more times than not. And uh, yeah, I could, that's definitely a, a definite sign that Mercury's 
about ready to slide backwards. Sometimes it's also a sign of retrochade, which is what we're going through right now. But aside from that, you know, again, um, the moon has come, it's actually waxing towards full. So that's always very beautiful. But also, you know, we tend to notice our kind of like our roots when it comes to astrology, when we look up at the stars as well, and it helps, it helps to keep us present. Above all stargazers, along with not being afraid to look up at the stars, between next week, and, or actually, sorry, between this week and next week, I hope that I find you well. And until then, stargazers. <laughs>